that. So like how they say it in Portuguese, they say uomi esta na casa. That's Portuguese for the man is in the house. Oh, the man is in the house. Oh, Excellent. Right. Oh, I thought I thought it translated into Aaron doesn't have a soul. Well, <laughs> we all know that. That that's what's going on, guys. Oh, very good, sir. Thank you, Tony, very much for joining us. It is great to see you again, even though we saw each other last night at the yep. probably the spectacle of the year at the Jake Paul Nate. Diaz fight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was very interesting. Watch, we were actually pretty cool where we were because we got to see SummerSlam, UFC card going on, and the Jake Paul fight all at once. Yeah. It was like talk about overstimulation. Yeah. We could see every single combat yeah. sport that was happening for the day. So I thought that entertainment from everywhere, pretty much. Yeah. No, it was pretty shout cool. out David. Shout out pure gold, Tony. Shout out pure gold. Pure gold. <laughs> yeah. We were not we were, for the record, we were yeah. We were for the record, we were not at pure gold. But uh no. Not sure what we were, that uh, is, but anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure you don't know what that is, Tony. Yeah. We're at a yeah, fight of Dave and Busters, so but we're not okay, it was actually sense. Future future home of grappling arts will currently be held in the rear entrance of uh, behind Pure Gold. Is that true or true or false, Tony? Uh, that is false. We are not moving there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as as uh, tempting as it may sound, uh, we will not be uh, opening up a gym adjacent to Pure Gold. <laughs> yeah. No, we will we will not be. But um, I I will say though, if we did have midnight jujitsu classes, the divorce rate at grappling arts would be through yeah, the roof. Yeah, they might be busy. Yeah, they might be busy. Honey, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? There's this new midnight classes that they have on Wednesday nights. They have Wednesday <laughs> privates. Free steak and everything. <laughs> free steak and everything in the champagne room. What do you mean? Yeah. So I will start the show off uh, with kind of like. A semi-apology, but it, it is what it is. It happens and all that jazz. So we recorded an episode probably, I don't know, five five months ago or whatever. And yeah. everything got busy. It got crazy busy. Mike thinks it's a huge conspiracy theory. But between businesses being starting, I'm being overrun with a bunch of things. Because Michael has no help on this podcast whatsoever. And anything. <laughs> Well, because how many things have you given for me to do here? Like, so like, oh, I just, I just do everything myself because I'm married. So oh, mm. you, can't, you can't do anything. You can't help me. That's my problem. <laughs> so anyway, you got problems. Anyways, we recorded an episode that has not been released yet, and I intend. So this is what's going to actually happen. So I'm going to release the unreleased episode, so the lost episode first. And then, or no, I'm going to release this one, and then I'm going to release the the yeah. next one right after. It's going to be a double back to back. So one day, bang, and then the next day, it's going to happen. Okay? Well, I think you should release, be... you should release the old one first because I I'm, I might get confused watching them in, in okay. Well, I'll do that. I'm going to release the old one first, and then it's going to be yeah. a back to back. So we'll it might tell us it might tell a story. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do a back to back. It's going to be far too much Tony Isaacs in that one, though. In the light, in the light next we, to uh, podcast that we're doing. followers, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll we'll lose one follow one follower out of two. Who the hell even still listens to us? That's what I want to know. 
Oh, there's quite a few. We still get we still get lots of views, so it's, it's okay. Yeah. We're gonna keep pumping it, and that's how we're gonna roll. But awesome. uh, so let's just kind of like talk with the present and more than anything. Uh, Tony, you just came back from an amazing trip from Mongolia. Let's talk about that first because I who gives a shit about the Nate Diaz fight? It is what it is. I don't really yeah. want to get too far into that. <laughs> I know we gotta cover that. Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah. how, was, how so, was Mongolia? And then we'll we'll backtrack a little bit. Mongolia, um, Mongolia was an interesting trip. It was our first time going traveling that far with a team. Um, uh, the performance of, of these guys is probably not what they would have wanted to do, but, you know, you have to take into a fact that, uh, A, we traveled a very long way to get out there. Um, some of those guys landed in Mongolia and two days later were fighting. Um, so it was... Uh, it, to adjust. No, not yeah. So, I, I, no. I mean, to give you an example, uh, you know, when I got back to to Canada, it took me literally four days to really come around. So, you know, I, I, I was disappointed in how, uh, you know, the, the adult group did, but then when I got back to Canada and I saw how long it took for me to come around, I, I started to rethink, you know, some of the stuff that they were going through, you know, um, you know, I saw some matches that I thought, you know, I couldn't believe it was happening in front of me, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not on the mat where they are. I'm not seeing what they're seeing. I'm not going through, you know, what their body is going through at the time. So you got to kind of, you know, considering some of these athletes, I look at a guy like, say, a Michael Sheehan, who's been on this team from day one and uh, has performed amazingly. And uh, he'll be the first one to tell you that he didn't have his best performance there. But, you know, uh, again, like I said, when you think about, you know, the travel and, you know, everything involved, in, um, you know, I can't blame any of these guys for, um, you know, how, how well they, you know, how well they performed or didn't perform. But um, it, 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 when it, when you take all that away and, and what it made us feel like is, uh, I think uh, we need to treat um, this team, that being Team Canada, a little bit more seriously. Um, normally what we do is we run a national championship and then based on who the team is, we set up a couple of training camps, two or three of them, and we allow the guys to train with one another and kind of get to know each other a little bit. And I think that maybe that's not enough. I think that maybe we should be, um, training all year round. Uh, we know who the national team is now based, based on who performed, who competed in Mongolia. And we're going to try to come up with something where those athletes can, train with some of the other athletes across the country to see if we can a uh, raise their level but more importantly b you know maybe recruit other athletes who have the potential of being on the team you know uh and see how that comes around i think i think uh you know at the end of the day guys do like to cross train and if it if they think they're going to learn a little bit from that then you know why not right so you know well, there's a lot of things we what do you think are some adjustments? I think we talked about it a lot off, offline, but like, what do you think needs to be done to kind of like raise the bar and compete more, even more? At, I know there's been a lot of success with the, with the international team, but like, what do you think needs to be done to kind of take it to the next level compared to like a lot of other countries, like, like Kazakhstan or others that are, you know, they have people essentially training full time. Like, what do you think needs to be done here? in order to kind of like raise the bar? Well, I think these guys do train a lot. 
Um, and, you know, we've been really used to having, you know, your professors be the ones who help to bring you to that next level. Um, but when I look at sports like, say, judo and wrestling, like, for instance, wrestling, you'll have a team like Team Impact and another team like Matt Men. When they get ready for international events, there is no Matt Men. There is no Team Impact. It's, it's just Team Canada or Team Ontario. Mm -hmm. And they all train with each other. It doesn't matter what gym it's in. Nobody's worried about uh, one instructor trying to coerce the student to come over to their side. There's none of that's happening. It's, it's, you know, these guys train where they train on a regular basis because they live in that area. And, you know, that nobody looks and says, Oh, I need to move over here because it's better over here. Nobody does this. They just train where they train. And when it's time to cross train, there's no problem with cost training. There's a, there, there's no coach out there. Who's like, Oh my God, I can't let my Matt men student go to team impact because you know, he might leave me. Like there's none of that in wrestling. Yeah. And I think that we got to find a way to make that not happen in jujitsu. Do you think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's maybe why there's an issue is do you, do you think there is like a little bit of that going on where it's like maybe some athletes are looking at other places and going, Hey, you know what? Maybe the grass is greener over here. Um, like, what do you what do you think it is that's kind of maybe stopping that progress? Or I think, or do you think it that's what one of the main issues is? And then, how do you remedy it if if that um, is an issue? I don't know if it can be remedied because that's the culture of BJJ. That culture was bred that way right from the beginning. So you know, you have a you know have a, you have an instructor who you know puts all their time and energy into an athlete. If that athlete decides to go their own separate ways, it really hurts the instructor inside because they feel like they gave them everything and it still wasn't enough. So they left. So um, I don't think that um, that will change too much on the instructor side. I think it's the athletes who need to say, hey, you know what? I'm Gracie whom I talk and that's who I'm going to be unless they kick me out. Um, but. I should be able to feel train, feel free to train wherever I want because nobody's going to convince me to go anywhere else. Um, I should be able to cross train and pick up things here and there and then go back to my team and share it with my team. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how I think that's how I feel about my jujitsu is I, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I don't think there's a gym out there. There's too many gyms out there that won't allow me to train with them. Um, and they know that they're not going to be able to change the patch on my chest. So um, I think it's the individual, it's the athlete that needs to step up and make those types of decisions. But, you know, when you're young and, you know, you're, you're that blue belt that wants to become a purple belt and, you know, you feel like, Oh, if I change gyms, that's what's helping me get me over the top. You know, how am I going to, you know, how does a coach compete with that? You can't. So, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's, I don't think you can change the instructors, but I think if you can change the mentality of the athlete, you know, you know, a lot of people leave and go to different gyms for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are valid and some of them maybe not so valid, but, but at the end of the day, they pay the money to go to that gym. So they should be able to do whatever they want. Um, you know, and a coach can like it or not like it, you know, but, uh, I think that if you uh, if there was some more loyalty on the student side, 
it would be much easier for people to cross train. And that, I think that's part of the problem. So, so Aaron, Aaron is a creonch. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, Aaron's welcome at our gym anytime. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Cause he's a, he's a dirty creonch. Okay, we we allow dirty creonches at our And I had a conversation. It's like, what is it with you? But anyways, we, how many teams have you left? One? How many teams have I left? Exactly. That's what I thought. I, I, know. I moved. Okay. Fuck <laughs> oh, you moved. Okay. okay. But anyway, I moved. Okay. But <laughs> and again, I had a professor who was very understanding of those situations, and we could have, we could have that conversation, right? Yeah. So what's the? And again, this is an opinion based, right? It's what's the mentality like we say like yeah it's up on, on the students to change the mentality of you know growing as a person to kind of add find the courage to ask their instructors to do these types of things but what's the reluctancy of the instructors uh, is it that's an old school trait that's just not being bred out and then eventually it's just gonna as new school owners come into play like this will get a little bit more sociably acceptable or is it just kind of like this is what we're dealing with for now and that's it uh well i think the know. biggest big, biggest thing i would say is yeah i'm cutting everybody off is you know as instructors you're probably worried about losing students but then you're also losing business so at the end of the day like if you have a jiu-jitsu school and it's a business if things like that are happening like i think people are worried about like, oh, if student X goes trains at student Y, they're gonna go over there, right? And then they're no longer gonna be a member at our at, yeah. at a Academy X, for example. I, I think that's probably one of the major reasons. But Tony, like, what are, your, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, like, I know for a fact that there's some instructors out there I will not name, um, but they're at their right to feel this way, that they do not like uh, their students cross training at other affiliations, other gyms, you know, um, other teams, if you will, um, they don't like it. Um, you know, for a lot of their own personal reasons, um, some of them I agree with some of them I don't. Um, I've always, I've always been at a gym uh, with Danny and Syl before him, where, you know, I could go wherever I wanted to. Um, the only thing that they asked was that I wore my patches. And I did that very proudly. I remember there was a time when I was a blue belt where I would train at Jocelyn's MMA in Hamilton about once a month, you know, sometimes twice a month. And, you know, Jeff would open his doors for me to go and train. And I had all my patches on, you know, I didn't care who tried to kill me or not try to kill me because I feel like when you go into somebody else's gym, I think you should act accordingly. You know, I think the first thing I do when I go into somebody else's gym is I pick a white belt and I just have fun with them, let them pass my guard, let them feel free because all of the killers in that gym are watching you to make sure that you don't hurt their student. And once they see that you are cool, man, they're cool with you. They don't try to kill you when they roll with you. You end up having a great experience. And, um, you know, as a person who has spent a lot of time, uh, you know, a lot of experience of going to other gyms, you know, uh, I think that if you just act accordingly, you know, people will treat you well and, and they'll have nice things to say about you after the fact. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people will kind of go into gyms and dojo storm to try and see if they can beat up their best guy. And I don't know if that's always the best thing to do, you know, 
Aaron's um, been doing that on the regular ever since we yeah. opened. Is that oh, true? Of course. Uh, Every yeah. time. Find the, I find the I've had, I've had to check you multiple belt. times. I've had to check you multiple times for recording devices, a wire, <laughs> headphones. Every like, who knows what you're recording and bringing back to uh, the other academies that are that you're training at, Eric. I don't you I think you're training at multiple academies. I, I think you're not even just training at the one. I, I think I am actually. I've gone to quite a few. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. These guys keep inviting me back. They're a bunch of fucking idiots. Little <laughs> <laughs> they know, you're recording them the whole time. They don't know nothing. Maybe yeah, they know you know like, I just think that, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with how you carry yourself when you go into somebody else's gym. And if you do that with respect, uh, you'll get respect back. You know, uh, and that's part of the reasons why I could probably train pretty much wherever I want to and, you know, pop in and, you know, and not have an issue with, with training because of how I carry myself when I'm there. So, you know, I think if everybody just did that and, uh, you know, respected, you know, the gym that they come from by actually wearing your patches, I, like I've heard stories where when people go to other people's gyms, they, you know, they wear a blank gi because they don't want people, they think it's disrespectful to, wear your patches in somebody else's gym I, I you know i think that's the craziest thing ever i think that people are going to want to know where you're from mm -hmm. um you know but you know uh, to each his own I, I wear my patches wherever i go and um you know i don't have an issue or a problem because you know i'm respectful with the students that are there you know you hear that aaron wear your patches wear my patches all the time I have, your... I have two different patches and i wear them both so it doesn't matter where, where that? We'll have some patches for you, Aaron. Okay, sounds good. All right. So, big thing though, Tony, that we talked about last night was we got twenty-two Canadian kids heading out to Pakistan very shortly. Kind of like what the fuck? What the what the fuck is that country? Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan or Pakistan? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. What, what did I say? Kazakhstan. I think. I think I think your Z was your Z was silent. It's the audio, it's yeah. the audio, it's the audio today. Pakistan, like I'm yeah. pretty sure if I looked on an app on a globe somewhere, I wouldn't find that country. Perfect. Yeah, we have uh, between the athletes, coaches, parents. There's 37 people traveling to Astana, Kazakhstan, uh, starting on the 17th or the 18th. Um, they'll be out there competing at the World Junior Championships uh, for under 16, under 18, and under 21. And uh, we have a handful of killers on that team. I'm really excited to see how they do. I don't want to overstate myself because we've had some killers go before and not medal. So the competition is definitely tough. With some of these countries, you know, the UAE, um, the host country, Kazakhstan has a great team. Um, you know, Russia is back. They're off their suspension. So, you know, Russia is going to have a, a dangerous to to the gills yeah so you know their 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 ban has been lifted by uh um by wada so i mean um yeah uh it's going to be a tough tournament but i think that we have you know some really really good athletes especially at the under 16 uh we have some really good killers uh, uh zane chaudry being one of them um obviously he was at my gym when he was from the age six to ten and he was always really, really good for his age. So 
you know, I'm excited to see how he does. There's a handful of other kids there at different age, age groups. You know, you got Juliana Wong, who's the number one ranked girl in the world right now. Um, and her brother is is no slouch. Um, the purple belts at Fernando's gym always cringe when they have to roll with this kid. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's uh, uh, the team is very good. Uh, I myself won't be traveling to Astana uh, this year. I've left uh, Patrick Truel to uh, lead that ship. Um, you know, being a gym owner and, you know, having a full-time job and, you know, everything else going on in my life, I, you know, I can't be at everything. So mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes I got to release the reins a little bit and let somebody else run with it. And, you know, Patrick's been, um, you know, very willing to do it and has been doing a great job. So I, I expect that the team's going to, you know, do well. You know, we'll see in a couple of weeks when they get back how they actually do. Is this the biggest uh, team that's going right now? Uh, for, as a junior team? A junior. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, last year uh, we were in Abu Dhabi, and I think we had six kids. It was nowhere near wow. what, what we huge. could bring. So uh, I think I think what happened was after uh, – after the world's last year and our kids did really well in those uh, junior age groups um, in Abu Dhabi, they ran the juniors and the adults together, the tournaments together, whereas mm-hmm. this time they've been split. So, um, but after that tournament, uh, there was a real push for wanting to send a junior team. So we really made it clear that, that we were going to be looking at juniors at nationals uh, for the under 16, under 18, and under 21. So we actually ran those divisions. And uh, we were shocked at how many people uh, signed up to compete. And then once they got their spot, basically they were signing up right away and saying, no, we're going, we're going. And, you know, I- I'm a big fan about trying to help them pay and help pay their way to get there. So we did cover their registration to participate. But all these families covered their flights and their hotels uh, to yeah. go. So it, it's, it's been a, a huge uh, undertaking and uh, you know, these parents have put in a lot of money to see their kids compete at this level. Um, so I'm really excited to see how they do. And um, you know, uh, dealing with adults is, uh, you know, it's its own baby, but you know, when you're dealing with parents of children, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, that much more difficult to be able to navigate uh, and keep everybody happy. So it looks like everything is on the right track. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing them leave next week and go over there and kill it. What do you, um, what would you like to see more maybe from like a support at a government level for uh, a lot of these yeah. athletes? Did you just mention, cause you just mentioned like, I don't probably opening up a can of worms here, but you just mentioned that, like, you know, a lot of athletes are covering their own flight, they're covering their own hotel, covering their food, their training, all these things where I think in a lot of these other countries where they may not even have to worry about a lot of that. So what are some things you would like to see the either the provincial or the federal government in, well, in the ways of support? Some of the stuff that uh, I've been told from the other countries is stuff that we can't compete with. Like for, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was chatting, having lunch with uh, one of the Israeli coaches. And he basically told me that not the Federation, but their government 
the adults who win a gold medal at the world championships gets twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> um, if you place second place, you get ten thousand dollars. If you place, or sorry, fifteen, and if you place third, you get a bronze medal. You get ten thousand dollars. And in addition to that, if they keep their ranking up, they get you know they get subsidies, so they get a a salary. They get something like twelve hundred dollars a month. And, you know, that money is just to help them, you know, so that maybe they don't need to have to have a job. They can focus on just training. Yeah. You know, um, with regards to the UAE national team, their national team trains all year round, trains together. Uh, I don't know whether or not they get paid anything, but none of these athletes have jobs. They all they their job is they get up and they train jujitsu all day long. They have lunch and they train jujitsu in the afternoon. That is their job. They do eight hours of jujitsu every day. So um, part of the reason why that UAE team is so good is, is just that. They are they are a professional jujitsu team in my in my eyes. And uh, it's hard to uh, when our athletes do well against them, it just bodes a lot for our technical evolution because you know. You know, none of our guys train as hard as these guys do. You know, um, they don't have the ability to, you know, they have a life that they have to live. So, you know, they got, you know, all these things in their way. They got a job. They got to pay rent. You know, these athletes in the UAE don't even need to worry about that. So, you know, we're up against it. So having said that, there is some plans out there that you can, uh, our athletes can uh, get. I know that there's a, a quest for gold here in the province of Ontario. Um, I, I've been so busy. I haven't really had a chance to sit down and look at it, but I know some of our athletes are looking at it um, where they can receive funding. And it has a lot to do with how their ranking is internationally. So if they're kind of ranked top five in the world or whatever it is, that they could actually get funding um, to help subsidize their ability to train. Perfect. So, um, that's, a, that's a start. It is a start. Uh, of course, there's a lot of hoops that our federation has to jump through to make that happen. Um, but I'm slowly trying to tick all the boxes uh, to get there. Um, I think that it's important that our athletes, um, you know, realize that doing something like this is a benefit for them. It's not a benefit for me. Um, so all I ask in return is that, you know, if I say, hey, I need you to come to a training camp, you know, to help these under 21s and under 18s, you know, they should be saying, hey, you know what, he's helping me get some money. Of course, I can help do that. So it's a, a give and take. And, uh, you know, we're not there yet. We're, we're trying to see. So right now, I'm just trying to get our athletes, you know, ranked in the top 10 by just going to these tournaments. So I mean, you know, after this one, we have, uh, I have two athletes that are going to be going to the World Combat Games in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Nathan Dos Santos, and uh, right now the reigning world champion, Rain Faf. She will be, uh, the two of them will be heading to Saudi Arabia in, I believe, October. Um, we'll see how they do there. And then in November is the Pan American Championships in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, I know there's a handful of kids that, of our athletes that will be going down there because that Pan American tournament is a lot of points. So, you know, um, you know, that will uh, help booster their, their rankings. I know that Felicia and rain now are both ranked number two in the world. And, um, 
you know, Nathan Dos Santos is ranked number four in the world. So we got some ranked athletes um, that are hanging in there and, and keeping their rankings up. So we got to, you know, uh, I'm hoping that I can break through with the government and help these guys uh, financially. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But right now our focus is uh, the World Junior Championships in uh, in Kazakhstan. And, uh, you know, let's see how these guys do. So, Will there be funding for washed-up uh, Masters athletes <laughs> such as me? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, you know, nobody looks and at why, why not? Come on. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Like, we had uh, seven athletes compete at the Masters division in uh, Mongolia. They did very well. Um, but I don't think the Masters, like, it's not like going to the IBJJF World Masters, where you know if you go to that tournament, you're going to have anywhere between 15 and 20 guys in your division. Um, when you're dealing with this tournament, however, it's really about the people who can afford to go because mm -hmm. You know, there is no funding, even with the other countries, they're not paying for masters to go. So, you know, they're paying their own way. So, I mean, like I had a girl who, Ashley Francis, who, you know, only had one person in her division. And then they ended up moving her and that girl up to another division just so that they can have more than one fight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're spending $4,000 on a plane ticket, the last thing you want is to go all the way over there and not have a match. So, it's really difficult to help fund something like that because, you know, we could go out there and field the whole team and our whole team, none of them have any fights. That's no good, right? Yeah, you don't need that. So yeah. I might open up a can of worms here or controversy when I say it, but I don't give a shit. But now, last time I checked, Canada is a big country. We have a lot of different provinces, a lot of different jiu-jitsu schools, right? The biggest push that I see on an outside view, especially on the international level, has always come from Ontario. And it's been the the individuals like yourself, and then we have Fernando, and then obviously Patrick Terrell taking the reins on these things. So, like, you guys are the prominent players to really push the movement of international competition to really grow the sport of jiu-jitsu, right? Especially in Canada. Do we... And again, this is either it's opinion or are, are we getting more push from other individuals from other provinces or even within our province as well to get more students or more individuals, more athletes, more coaches involved in this whole process? Well, I would say this. Um, we, uh, as a whole, uh, could probably learn a lot if we were to all get along um that, that can we all just get along tony uh, I, I, I i'm gonna be well, honest I here I, I will be honest with you guys and say this that uh i don't do this to try to be any kind of a boss or a leader or any of those things i do this because i see opportunities for our athletes and when i say our athletes i mean it could be anybody um what i what i really enjoyed at our national championships this year was we got to see a team come here from Newfoundland to participate in the tournament because their exact answer was it's the national championships and we wanted to compete in it. And I was like, man, I was so blown away by that, that we are reaching that far out. 
you know, awesome. of course, that's, that's there was a handful. Right? There was a handful of people there from Manitoba. Um, you know, it is starting to stretch itself out, and uh, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for all of us to come under one umbrella. I think one of the ways that can be done, of course, is to create sporting organizations in each of those provinces and have all of them be connected to the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association. That is the way wrestling does it. That's the way judo does it. That's the way every other legitimate sport does it other than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So um, I think that it's going to be difficult to do and it's going to continue to be difficult to do um, until our sport actually has the ability to be in the Olympics because then they'll be forced to follow that line. Uh, right now, they're not forced. Like here in Ontario, uh, we need to have a sport organization or we're not allowed to participate in jiu-jitsu competitions. Yeah. That's just the way it is here. I wish it was that way in every province. Unfortunately, every province does things by however they feel like it, you know? So because of that, we have no control what happens outside of Ontario. But I think that what you're seeing is proof that having a sport organization oversee what you're doing is going to help build the sport because where is the sport more built than it is in Ontario? I mean, Ontario. Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere. Where, where are they doing a jujitsu tournament right now that has 2000 athletes like the Ontario open? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. So, I mean, uh, if that is not proof that a sport organization is going to help, then I don't know what it is. So I have been, I can go as far back as 2009 where I was asking everybody who was anybody in these other provinces to build a sport organization. And the only person who listened was AJ Scales out in Saskatchewan. And now Saskatchewan has the Saskatchewan Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. They're connected with the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association and they're doing a great job out there, you know? So, I mean, like, you know, they're doing everything right. And now, of course, you know, AJ out there is having his own issues with regards to, you know, people wondering why we got to do this. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they just got to say, you know what, we're just going to put our foot down and make it happen and see what happens. You know, yeah. um, we have been able with our association have been able to buy uh, with all that, you know, uh, membership money that has to come in and whatnot. We've been able to buy mats, barricades, you know, we pay storage fees. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're actually turning around and running a business now uh, with doing tournaments, but you know, when our guys come, our promoters come and want to do a tournament, they have mats available. They got barricades available. They got trained referees available at their hands. You know, it is so, um, it's such an open box now to run a tournament in Ontario. Um, the hardest part about trying to run a tournament in Ontario is finding a date, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, uh, a tournament every, every week, every month, the, now. The, the, you know, and, and all the tournaments do very well. So, you know, uh, would I love to see these provinces do this? Yes, but, you know, it comes with growing pains. And, you know, I've, I've come to the point now where, you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to tell them. I'm, I'm not telling them anymore. I'm just going to, you know, I'm hoping that things go in a direction that kind of force them to do it. I know that uh, Quebec had some issues uh, with being able to run tournaments. 
Um, but now they're back on track and it's partly because they have a federation that is overseeing their sport. So, mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. I'm um, hoping that they, you know, take the step in the right direction and connect their, their federation with the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association. And then maybe we'll see a huger, a much larger contingency coming from Quebec. I know we did have one athlete on Team Canada that was from, from Quebec. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, New Brunswick is looking to start an association. I've got a call from Manitoba. Um, I got a call from BC. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I don't get all excited anymore when these people call me, but, you know, I'm hoping that uh, I, I would love to see one day that uh, the national championships happens and there's representation from all the provinces. Yeah, and you know what? I think that'll be a, a really cool thing to see, especially in the future. Uh, obviously, this will happen within time, but I think especially seeing the success of the athletes, obviously the team slowly growing bigger, sending one of the biggest junior teams. And again, it starts with the juniors, right? Like we talked yeah. about, like even with like our, our, how a school starts, it starts with your kids program, right? It kind of starts there. Maybe it yeah. manifests into something huge. So I think you're on the right steps as far as like the process. Again, it is a process. It's that good old marathon, not a sprint. And it's been a hell of a marathon, but I think you're getting in the right direction. I mean, like if we could get, uh, and I want you to like, this is the bigger picture that I'm talking about. If we can get this sport um, to follow those guidelines of having a sport organization and whatnot, could you imagine of uh, if we could then now seeing that everything is, you know, blanketed across the country to have us go to the school system to get Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the schools, yeah. teaching as a, as a gym class, uh, like basketball, like, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi, that's already done. In Abu Dhabi, everybody in public school and high school practices Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They don't, they don't do basketball and soccer and, you know, all that stuff. No, no, it's, it's everybody in the city of Abu Dhabi does jujitsu mm -hmm. and that's it. Like that is phenomenal. It's mind blowing, but this is, you know, how much the Sheik believes in the martial art that he wants to empower everybody by teaching it to them. That's amazing. You know? And I think if you could get the, you know, the political stuff out of the way and, you know, get these people to practice just even the self-defense side of, of jujitsu, you know, uh, we'd be way better. And not only that, but all of our schools would be bigger because the people in public schools who like it, they will find a jujitsu school to, to advance their level. So it only we just, helps. We just need to keep building the slush fund, Tony. Yep. That's all we it, need to keep it, doing. It, it'll only help. It'll only help all the gyms to, to be able to have such, such a program. So absolutely. Let's change a little, let's, let's change some gears. Now uh, we watched some fights together last night. Nate Diaz, Jake Paul, give us your thoughts. Uh, we're going to run down. We can run down the summer slam card. We're going to run down everything right now, Tony. <laughs> yeah. But first, but first off, give me, give me your thoughts on Jake Paul and uh, Nate Diaz. How, how did you, uh, how did you uh, think that was going to go going in? I thought it would go. I don't want to say exactly the way it did. Uh, I thought that 
uh, Nate would have been a little bit more busted up than he was. I think that he gave away too many points early in the fight, but I expected him to give away points because of his fighting style. Um, but I think he won the crowd over. I think he won the crowd over with his antics. You know, he would take the time to, to move in and attack. And then every time Jake Paul backed off, you know, he would indicate to the crowd that Jake Paul really doesn't want to fight. You know, um, he said it right at the beginning of, uh, he said it before the fight that, uh, you know, whether I win or lose, it's a boxing match. And if it was a fight, uh, there's no way I'm losing to this guy. And, uh, you know, I, that may be true, but, you know, you signed up to be in a boxing competition. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, Jake Paul did enough to win. Yeah. Aaron, what are your, th what are your thoughts on what you saw? Like, like, like what Tony said, I, I thought it went exactly the way I it, everybody might have thought it had gone with Jake Paul taking a decision. I didn't think he was going to knock him out. I was surprised he knocked him down. I'll be honest with you there. I didn't think, see that happening. But I think when it, I didn't see Nate Diaz like really training hard for this fight. Like I was watching some of the footage. And again, I don't, I know they don't show you stuff, right? They yeah. don't show you everything you need to see. But like just the, the way he was reacting the way he's talking about the matches and like, I just didn't see it in it. I didn't think he was going to get much better than what we saw. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. That's his style. You know, uh, he is very nonchalant in, you know, a lot of the stuff that he does and, you know, his, his attitude is like, I, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to go out there and fight, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I don't think, you know, he probably got a pretty good payday. Oh, so, I'm sure he made the money that he needed to make that he wasn't going to get from the UFC at all, right? Yeah. I think he can make more potentially on his own because he's going to walk out of there like, you know, hey, man, he didn't fucking beat me. I fucking put him in the guillotine at the end of the match. Yeah. Like, what do you expect? Yeah, that was so bitch. What do you, what do you... <laughs> So now that was also talk that there's a potential, there could be a potential rematch down the line, but potentially in MMA. Now, I don't I don't see that happening. But gentlemen, what are your thoughts on that? No way. No no you, way. You are not going to see Jake Paul do an MMA fight. No, it won't happen. I don't think so. Not going to happen. I don't think so either. Um, you know, I don't care what they say. Um that that's just not uh going to take place and uh you know for good reason. Um you know, uh, but if I would say that he should fight anybody um, in the boxing world uh, or for boxing, it would have to be, I don't, can't remember his name right now, uh, Vitor Belfort, that's it. Ooh. I would love to see that. Vitor Belfort and Jake Paul. That's the oh, fight. Jesus. <laughs> now so we're going to see. I, I want TRT. Vitor yes, Belfort. that's it. That's, so, that's who I want to see, though. I yeah. want to see. Wada Usada Vitor. No, no, not that one. I want TRT Vitor. <laughs> I want I want the equivalent of like on the Simpsons, Mike Tyson versus Secretariat in uh, international <laughs> waters. Yeah, was, wasn't it wasn't it Vitor Belfort who just fought like uh, uh, who was the world heavyweight champion? Uh, oh my goodness, uh, the guy who got his ear bit by Tyson. What's his name? Oh, he fought Evander Holyfield, yeah. Yeah, he fought, he, fight Evander, he fought Evander Holyfield and just fucked him up. 
Oh, and he did. Yeah, he dispatched Vander Holyfield. Mind you, Vander Holyfield could be his he's like dad. 50, he's 50. Yeah, like, you know, why? He's over 50. Why Vander's taking that fight, I have no idea, but whatever. You know, but I mean, like. His ass is broke, motherfucker. That's why he's taking that right fight. Right 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 after that fight, he called. He beat some of that OJA slush fund money, Tony. That's what right it after, Right after he beat. He's 57. Uh, yeah. Jesus. But Vitor, right after Vitor beat him, he called out Jake Paul. So, you know, but we don't hear Jake Paul saying anything about it. Yeah, Vitor, Vitor's smart. Right? Yeah. Like, like, and Jake Paul's, I think, a little smarter and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That yeah. doesn't sound like fun. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that, I, I think that's actually a, a fight I would like to watch. That if we're going to see. Jake Paul fighting all these MMA guys. Yeah, they're gonna I continue to fight MMA right guys. Fight him, you know. You know, instead of these guys who are so long in the tooth and you know average boxers, you know, you know. But uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'd like to see that. He won't, but he, he, he won't drop that. He won't do that. No. Now here's a here's a real question for you. Do you think? Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk actually happens, or do you think this is all just a? I I'm don't know. Promoting I, my speed. I'm promoting this. Blah 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 blah. I honestly who, haven't. Who do you have, Tony? Who do you have? I haven't put any energy into it whatsoever. But if I have to pick, uh, I'm gonna have to pick Mark Zuckerberg. That's you know. Mark Zuckerberg. Hey. Yeah. But that based on age, based on he's training BJJ. He's age, and I think that based, uh, based on that he's a robot. Like what is it? it just he's younger, and uh, you know I see all of the uh, I see all the posts that Elon Musk is doing, but I don't see any from Mark Zuckerberg. So what that tells me that Mark is really training. Yeah, <laughs> so true. You know. Um, you know, I think they're both very smart individuals that have a lot of money and don't know what to do with it. And, <laughs> At that point, uh, you like, know, yeah, let's just fight each other. Fuck yeah, it. let's just do that. You know, uh, you know, hey man, all the power to them. You know, but uh, I'm not putting any energy into it. Um, if the fight actually does go down, will I watch it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. yeah. I think we'll all watch it. We'll, yeah. we'll all be at Dave and Buster's watching that. For yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll be oh, yeah. I'll get a good laugh out of that, but uh, you know, that'll be that'll be a, that'll be another pure gold uh, uh, evening of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, that probably would uh, sell out at pure gold. <laughs> that would sell out at pure gold. Yeah, we'll be at, we'll be in the front row watching that one. Uh, another another uh, another topic is uh, another another MMA fighter had another MMA, MMA fight was uh, Ronda Rousey this weekend. And uh, <laughs> if you want to call it that, um, yeah, if you want so, to call it that, now uh, they, I don't know. On the summer show, on the summer show, they, they touted it as uh, MMA rules. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Ronda Rousey against uh, Blackheart. What's her name? Uh, Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler, who was also a former MMA fighter. Uh, who knows? I'm a fighter, uh, competitor. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're good friends. Uh, they are, uh, yeah. They did a work in the WWE there and finished with Shayna Blazer choking out Ronda Rousey, which is kind of funny because that would never really happen in real life. But uh, um, yeah, uh, 
you know, it was uh, fun to watch to see, uh, you know, one get put in an arm bar and the other one's like, oh, oh, about the top. Oh, it was just, yeah. Watching two real enemy fighters work a fight was kind of funny to watch. Yeah, it was quite interesting because I was like, how are they going to make this work? And it was it basically it looked like an MMA fight that was just like, okay, yeah. I'm going to kick you hard here. Oh, I'm going to go head kick, fall out of the ring. Like, I was like, what are we doing? I guess yeah. to this point. Oh yeah. my God. It's terrible. But hey, you know, it's it's uh pro wrestling, sport entertainment. Hey, pro, you know what I mean? uh, that's what it is. If they're getting paid good money, you know, uh, you know, it's funny for those people who are wrestling fans. Uh, we'll watch other wrestlers do this and be excited and cheer for them. And it's hard for me to do that with these two ladies because we know what they're really capable of. Mm-hmm. And uh, so watching them work uh, a fight, uh, knowing that, you know, that's not how really how it goes down was kind of weird to watch. But, you know, having said that, I could watch two pro wrestlers. I could watch Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair go at it doing the exact same thing and be like, oh, that's cool. Because yeah. it's pro well, I think a, I think a thing I think the thing is, is like there's professional wrestling and then there's MMA. But then when you have like a worked MMA fight, like it yeah. doesn't really catch. Like it, it's either got to be like you're you're doing MMA and it's a shoot, as they call it, or it's professional wrestling and every everybody knows it's a work and it's entertainment and yeah. like you're there to watch a show and you have a good time. But I think when you mix the two, like it just doesn't come off well. But like yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah, like for the people who like us who actually train, uh, we didn't see any value in that last night. We were no, probably just. Not. Laughing, yeah. laughing, and watching. We were just like, "What the fuck is yeah. this?" <laughs> we're watching, you know. But for those wrestling fans, they thought it was cool, you know. Yeah. So I think I, mean, lot, I think it was actually a lot of wrestling fans that were shitting on it because they were like, "It looked like a really, really phony work fight." Ironically, at SummerSlam, where all the other matches are worked, <laughs> worked matches. <laughs> yeah, they're all worked matches, you know. Uh, you know, we saw Brock Lesnar in there as well, who, you know, who gravitated to MMA. And he lost his match too to a guy half his size. So I mean, yeah. again, it's all it's all you know entertainment. And if we can look at it for what it is, you can you know enjoy it for what it is. But uh, you know, you know, I, I just uh, watching you know the fact that they were calling it MMA rules is just really deflated. You yeah, know, it was it was it was interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen like footage from like russia where they actually show mma matches that have like purely like they are works because you see guys get like knocked out or like submitted by these very questionable calls and referees step in way too fast and so like because they're all bets right and so all these guys are fighting and then you'll just see somebody get clipped by this weird punch and the guy's knocked out unconscious and he doesn't move. oh so oh, what yeah. you're saying is you're saying that these guys are taking a dive oh they're you know, like dives everywhere like it's oh insane. yeah that's no good that's no yeah good. like that's... it's like legit dives like in the ring it's like is and there's complications where they basically bring everything in and it's like they show it like bit by bit and it's like no that he, he barely touched him he fell down yeah, it's like that's it's pretty bad that's not good <laughs> No, because that's good to have, right? (laughs) Yep, yeah. All mob money, though. Mob money. uh, Shout shout out to Putin and his uh, his MMA ring that he's running. Yeah, (laughs) 
All right. I got one last thing before we go. Um, we got a big MMA card, which is oddly on a fucking Thursday. MMA card? Oh, sorry. A, 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 a grappling card that's on a Thursday. Tony, Tony's boy is, is hooking up who's number one. So, who's number one? Flow grappling. And, and, and here, here's the thing. Nobody been there hasn't really been in much promotion about it. I'll be completely honest with you. Oh, about what show are we talking about? Again, here? we got Flow. Um, who's number exactly. one? America. Oh, who's, uh, who's number one show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Nobody knows about it. That's happening. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, on my end, um, I really don't follow. I guess the international scene of grappling, if you will. So all these shows, like Who Number One and whatnot, out there. Um, unless somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, so-and-so is fighting, you know, I don't really go out of my way to um, sit down and watch it. You know, I always hear about it after the fact, but um, yeah, like, you know, um, you know, unless there's a, I'm, uh, isn't there a match coming up that involving uh, Dante Leon and another Canadian kid? Yes. Ethan yeah. Collinston and, uh, yeah. from B-Team and uh, Dante Leon, who is now yeah, training in the States. If, I'm rem- if I remember correctly, isn't Ethan actually Canadian as well? Ethan is actually Canadian. <laughs> he is for you. He's, uh, born, he's uh, I believe, born and raised in Montreal, Tony. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a great match to see two Canadian guys going at it. Um, for the lightweight uh, 155, who's number one title? I, I, don't, I don't know how official these titles are, but... Why why is this not being advertised? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, they're both Canadians. I know that they, you know, practice in the United States, so probably don't know them. But, you know, Dante Leon in particular, we know him very well. He grew up, you know, competing in our tournaments here in Ontario for the longest time. I've refereed a lot of, a lot of his matches. Um, and he's done very well for himself. He's be probably the first, you know, black belt world, cha- adult world champion, uh, albeit no key, but still first, uh, the first uh, adult black belt world champion. Um, that's a big feat, you know. Um, so why, uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, who's number one is uh, on flow grappling, right? That is correct. It is. And we. We have, uh, I think, uh, Kynan Duarte is going to be fighting uh, Nicholas Marigali. That's going to be a big fight. That's a big uh, fight, Nikki, yeah. That is a really big fight. And then you got uh, Rene Sousa, who submitted uh, Kieran Kachuk at one of the last who's number ones. He's going to be fighting Nicky Ryan, it's Gordon, Gor- a.k.a. Gordon Ryan's little brother. Yeah. So that will be that'll be another big fight. Um, Tony, give me give me some of your thoughts on on some of these matches, on some uh, of these, uh, these real fights. You know what? I mean, uh, I, I'm a big fan of of Nicky Ryan. I think he's man. I think he's phenomenal. Um, you know, so I mean, I I uh, I would never bet against that kid. Uh, he's really really good in my opinion. And um, but again, like I said, I haven't seen him in a little while on the competition side. And you know, with the separation of you know with B Team and and Gordon and his crew. Uh, you know, kind of things kind of, you know, are all over the place, if you will. But, uh, you know, when you drop a name like his, it's, you know, it's a fight you want to watch, in my opinion. Um, I have, uh, obviously, uh, Nicholas Marigali is a huge name in our sport, both Gi and no Gi. Um, so anytime he's fighting, you want to watch that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked that this event, when is it happening? Thursday, August 10th. 
Oh, it's coming up this Thursday. Yeah, it's this Thursday. Yeah, that, this that's Thursday, August 10th. I wonder why they're doing I, it. I also just think it's weird having an event on a Thursday. It's yeah, why is like it on a Thursday? Night? That's kind of strange, but uh, yeah. weird. Like, are they just like, are they, are they just trying to not compete with like Saturday night shows like MMA, but UFC? There's nothing on. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's summertime. There's nothing on okay. right now. Yeah. Or if anything, if you want, if you want to avoid weekends, why don't you just do Friday night instead? Yeah. Well, Friday night would like, be a better night to watch, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess the better question is why isn't uh, uh, you know Flow Grappling promoting this? You know more. Um, I think they, I think they are. It's just like I really like this is actually a, one of the first cards they've done in a while, and it looks like a pretty good card yeah. and. There hasn't really been the press that you have seen previously. Yeah. Maybe they need to do more WWE stuff and <laughs> get the fighters to to hate on each other a little more and, you know, get that hype up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, hey, it's... Uh, you know, you know, know what know what it is? I think they need to do another three-hour match that will eventually have to get moved off the actual <laughs> mat floor and into a corner of the fucking hotel and then let them fucking fight for another hour and a half and then let the main event of the actual yeah. show go on. I think that's- There's like a janitor like sweeping up in the middle of the night and there's still two guys rolling. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my God. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like. There has okay. to be. Uh, I'm all a for like, like the the 45 minute thing because like when you see pure jujitsu, but like when you guys got guys going for hours, it's like fuck off. Okay, I'm done. With yeah, this. it's it's um, it's uh, there's those are the reasons why our rules are put in place and time limits are put in place, and I think that uh, you know, part of the reason why the JJF. You know, like this year, they shortened the time limits from five, from six minutes to five minutes for adults mm. because they want to see action. Uh, however, what they did, the caveat to that was if it ends a full draw after the five minutes, it goes to a sudden death overtime, first score, first oh, score wins. The, the, first, the first score. First score wins. And even an advantage, if you score an advantage, it's over. So this start uh, standing. You start standing, right? That makes it somewhat exciting, if you ask me. Uh, um, it does bring the wrestling element into the game, but because you're in the gi, you can still pull guard. So I mean, yeah. you know, um, if if you get a penalty, the match is over. So you know, you would hate to want to be in overtime and golden score and accidentally mm. grab the guy's pants on inside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's over. You're lost. So I mean, but hey uh you know uh why is it not i mean uh you know isn't our buddy ricardo and mendolia work for flow grappling i i think so i i, I think he does work for them like why isn't he promoting such a great match like uh uh dante leon and uh Crowenston? I, I think that you know he should be pushing that getting people to watch that right you know and like these are really good questions and i think it kind of comes back into that same kind of realm like we talked about earlier where it's just like there's so many great talents and voices in ontario and canada and it's like i think everybody if in order to move the sport along it's like guys gotta i think everybody's just gotta work together to really push that movement more than anything rather than being like oh this is my realm this is how i deal with it and i'm gonna stick in my lane 
Well, I mean, uh, I like to think I stick in my lane. Um, but it's, you know, I, I'm the first person that's not going to go out there and say, oh, look what I'm doing for the sport of jiu-jitsu. I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to praise anybody else. I'm doing it because I think these athletes need to get that exposure, whether it be amateur or professional. And um, while I personally focus on the amateur side, I think there is a professional jiu-jitsu side. You look at a kid like Kieran Kachuk. Mm -hmm. who has been, you know, making a lot of waves for himself. I think he's been doing a great job uh, out there participating and competing. And fucking nobody's talking about it. And I think it's ridiculous that he's forced to go to, you know, these competitions in the U.S. and to make a name for himself, you know, when you're supposed to have, you know, people here who have the ability to, put them on a pedestal and they don't, you know? So, I mean, you know, I'm not even going to get into that part of it, you know, yeah. you know, I, I was just, you know, I just recently watched him fight at the Oshawa super fight show. And before that he fought at ADCC Ottawa and both times he lost to an athlete out of Quebec and I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, why don't we know these guys? Like, because Kieran is a stud. Mm -hmm. And Kieran got submitted by some guy. I think its name is Pierre Leclerc out of, uh, out yeah. of, Montre out of Montreal. He, like, tra he trains out of TriStar. He also trains out of B-Team. I think he also is a training partner of uh, so, E.K. He's also like a, a very big up-and-comer as well. So, I mean, like, I know his name from the tournaments in the past. But, like, why isn't he getting pushed? Why isn't Kieran getting pushed, you know, on the professional level? Why isn't Brianne St. Marie getting pushed uh, on, on, you know, on these levels? Like, you know, who is the person who is supposed to be, you know, advocating for these athletes on the professional level, you know? Shouldn't it be somebody, you know, like a Ricardo who should be putting these guys up? And, uh, you know, doing everything they can, you know, I, you know, I don't get paid to you know, promote athletes, you know, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the most that we can do um, for these athletes, you know, they would appreciate it more. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't follow the pro level like some other people do, but, you know, as somebody who doesn't follow the pro level, I know who Kieran is. I, you know, I got to see this guy Pierre is, I know who Dante Leon is, you know, you know, I know who these guys are. I know, you know, what they mean to the jujitsu community here in Canada. So, you know, um, who knows uh, why these guys aren't getting the push. Um, and I think there's other people that are not discovered yet that are out there. So it's just, you know, I think that, you know, there's a, a show coming up. I think that we as a, as a, as a province, as a country, if you will, need to promote these types of shows to help get them on the same level as it who's number one. So that, uh, you know, our athletes get recognized, you know, I know there's obviously the issue of, you know, payment. I don't know what the pay structure is like at a who's number one show. Um, I think it's something that, uh, you know, our athletes would need to be able to um, get that same type of, you know, compensation but at the same time it requires uh people to buy the tickets to go you know um i used to run a show the canadian submission expo 
And man, it was hard to get 300 people in the building. And if you yeah. can't get 300 people in the building at, you know, 20 bucks, you know, how are you going to pay athletes to fight on the shows? You know? So it's, yeah. it's, you know, there's a lot of uh, logistics to make shows like this work. Um, I think Fernando's got a great, you know, system in place. Um, but I think much like we send athletes to the JJF Worlds because we want to see the sport grow. I think if you guys want to see these athletes uh, grow, we need to support those shows. We need to send the athletes. Um, we need to send spectators their way. We need to fill these buildings. I can guarantee you that if, if, if it was sold out and we ran a show sold out and aired it uh, online, the Americans would notice and they'd be like, Ooh, what's that show up there in Canada? Mm. You know, but because it's dead, nobody really, you know, no, it's, it's not on the radar. I, I guarantee if the place was packed and the place was crazy loud, um, you know, like I've been to shows here in Ontario where, you know, Pat Cooligan will put on a show and it's packed. It's crazy loud. You know, Jesse top did a show up in, in the middle of nowhere. It was packed. Yeah. crazy loud the problem was it was filled with blue belts and purple belts and white belts right and while there's fans in there that want to see them because they're friends and family um the people abroad don't care to see that because it's not in their mind the next level of jujitsu this is more of a grassroots show and i think we got to find a way to get the next level jujitsu shows like ace to be filled like the grassroots shows that Pat does and Jesse does because they got 450, 500 rammed in there, rammed in there. They, they got tables, tables of people dressed up in funny suits. Like they're, man, they're having fun with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so how do we get a show like Ace filled to the brim? You know, how do you do that? I think that's the remedy. That's what we got to figure out. Once we can figure that out, you're going to see more exposure. And not only that, but athletes want to fight at packed shows. So I can guarantee you uh, a guy who is, you know, maybe a brown or a black belt would love to fight on that show for nothing because he knows it's packed. Yeah. No, and you make a big thing, and that's uh, the athletes, everybody promoting the event. And, again, it's getting people packing those things. That being said, everybody, August 20th, we have our next Ace Jiu-Jitsu show. Mike that's and I are right. there. Tony will be there as well. So yeah. as we're talking about it, that's a big thing that we want to help promote as well. So August 20th, we have a, I think it's an eight man black belt bracket that's happening. Uh, there's a lot of super fights that are actually happening during that actual match. So get your tickets. Let's get going. This is the only way the sport grows is by spectators and butts in the seats, but athletes promoting and pushing their cards as well. I'm gonna, everybody everybody I'm, know that they're yeah. fighting. I'm going to say this as well, like, hey, if you're on this card, you need to be doing some fucking promotion because if I'm going to, you know, there's probably going to be some people who are going to be listening to this. Maybe you're a little pissed off, but they're not making any money. Well, guess what? A lot of that onus is on you to promote your fights, promote the show, get more people into the stands. And in turn, guess what? You'll get paid. You will, you will get something out of this more in the long term. You know, like you want to see you want to see jujitsu grow professionally. That's how you do it. 
I used to do the Subex show, and you know, I can honestly say with everything new going on in my life, I probably won't do one in the near future. Um, but it's partly because, you know, uh, there's probably no money in it. You know, um, it, it's hard to um, put the time in to put fight cards together, um, get everybody happy because, you know, you know, fighters are never happy. Um, and then when it's all said and done, the money doesn't come in and, you know, or, you know, you, you throw some money, some people, some way. And when it's all said and done, there's nothing left for you. And you did all that work for what, right? Yeah. So, you sponsor, a few, you sponsor a few athletes, Tony, by like, you know, like, Hey, I'll hook you up with like, Hey, let's, let's, you can do like a trip or like a sponsorship package. But then when it's all said and done, well, what, what, what's, what's left for the promoter as well. Like, cause at the end of the day, it's gotta be a two way street. If yeah, exactly. let's say I'm going to run a show, Aaron's going to run a show, Tony's going to run a show. We can't do it for free. Like, and if some athletes are expecting that, well, guess what? As myself, as an athlete, as a businessman and as a promoter, Wait, what? Yeah. As a washed up athlete. <laughs> washed up. Okay. Washed up. Okay. Masters, masters five athlete. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if if I'm going to run a show, guess what? Like, I would like to make something out of it for my time. No, I would. I want to help as many athletes as possible at the yeah. same time. No, yeah, but at the same leave. time, you also need to make money too. So it's a two way street. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I wish Fernando all the best and Jeff all the best uh, when they do their show. Their their idea is in the right. Uh, right area they want of course they want to build the sport um, they want nothing more than to fill the seats and and be able to help um, you know compensate some of these athletes but at the end of the day you know in my opinion you know like he's gone out of his way to make a, a point to only have brown and black belts on his show and that just makes it even more difficult to do a show whereas I would do an event I would have four blue belt fights, four purple belt fights, four brown belt fights, four black belt fights. I'd have 16 matches on my show, and that was it. I never paid my blue and purple belts, ever. Never paid them. They were happy to be on the show, and I think that's the way it should be. These are the same people who, you know, a week later will pay 100 bucks to go and fight at the, the Oshawa Open. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you want to go on fight on a show for free where you have the opportunity to display your skills to the fans out there in Ontario. So, you know, you know, when they come to me and say, Oh, I need to get paid. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You know, you're a blue belt. Shut up. You know, um, <laughs> like, you know, it's ridiculous. Aaron's so, laughing because he probably asked to be on a sub X like 10 years ago. <laughs> I have a blue belt. Can I get paid? Fuck you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, you know, that, I mean, like, again, that's my opinion, but you know, uh, um, you know, I would have been a blue as a blue belt. I would have been happy to have been asked to fight on a super fight show against another blue belt. I think that would be great. I think you get to see all levels. I mean, I, I would have no problem. I, you probably can make more money doing a super fight show with kids than you can with adults right now, because you're guaranteed to sell four tickets an athlete because mom, dad, uncle, they're all going to be there buying a ticket for 30 bucks. No problem. You know, so, I mean, who knows? It is. And, and you know, you don't have to pay the kids. So, 
you know or it, do you it's child labor laws Tony. yeah whatever <laughs> you know but i mean hey like you know so uh i you know i feel for the guys who want to do shows and who do do shows because they're not easy that it's tough and uh you know aside from putting all your own students on a card which you know has its own pros and cons um you know you you are really up against it when you try to do those shows but i think that uh there's something there with what Fernando's doing. Fernando's not trying to do just a show. He's trying to do an elite show. And that makes it very difficult. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think we covered a lot today, especially like with AC Jitsu coming down the pipeline, which is a big thing. We talk a lot about the international scene as far as the Canadian team, which has seen some amazing growth. And then obviously the international and the most important thing of the evening, which was nate diaz versus jake paul yeah. but tony i want to thank you so much for coming on the show again i really do appreciate it mike really yeah. appreciates you um we look forward to having you on the show again bringing lots more conversations and all that jazz but I wanna, yeah oh, oh, oh. i want to say two things before i go first i want to push my gta classic that's coming up september oh, 9th um, uh you know it's always a great tournament um being held at the Brampton Soccer Center. We're so happy to get that venue back. Um, you can go on Smooth Comp and register for that. And uh, aside from that, man, hey, you know, jujitsu is good. It's nice to see that it's uh, starting to work its way back pre-2020. And um, I'm very excited to see what the future holds. Um, we're going to continue as, a, as an association with the Ontario Jiu-Jitsu Association to you know, bring referee courses and, and rules courses back, um, both in person, and we're going to try start doing them on Zoom like we are here. Um, we're getting that set up as we speak. And uh, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to the rest of this year. And of course, the 2024 season. Yeah. And there's uh, another thing that me and Tony are doing. It's an academy and it's called... We'll stop it. I already edited this whole podcast. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. It's called Grappling Arc B. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Mike will see you at lunch class Wednesday. You all got 1578. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Tony, I do appreciate it. Mean, here worse than Bill C11 by Justin Trudeau. Grappling Arc like a B. Oh, man, I'm trying to try to hype my own my own jigger. I already See stopped the recording. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. It's been a pleasure. I really do appreciate you both coming on tonight. Uh, Tony, I will see you soon. If anything, I'll see you on August 20th. Mike, I'll probably see you before then. Anyways, yeah. boys, have a great night, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, Please guys, come to crap like a bee. You everybody, guys take care. everybody thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you guys soon see you on the mat have a great <laughs>